Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is church secretaries and administrators. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needle or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, let's be upfront and honest. Why are we talking about this this week? <laughs> we are talking about this this week because our office administrator of the last two and a half years has found full-time employment closer to home, and we're so excited for what? her. And super sad, because that does mean that she will be leaving Central Lutheran and the position will be opening up. Yep. Okay. Now, you've already thrown out, whether you know it or not, three different names for this position. (laughs) I have. So we've got Church Secretary, which Mm -hmm. is a stereotype I'm sure people are familiar with. Sure thing. You said administrators, mm-hmm. and then you used parish administrator. Mm-hmm. So is there really a difference between these? Oh, tons. Okay. I think. Yes and no. Part of it is what's in a title. Okay. Church secretary, like you said, comes with baggage. historical baggage, mm-hmm. right? And expectations of an individual. When we talk about an office administrator, that brings a different idea of a position to people in modern context. Mm-hmm. When we talk about a parish administrator then that even takes it beyond an office administrator to the wider parish, the wider work of the congregation. It seems to specify things more than office. It really all comes down to, I think, our actual title currently is Mm -hmm. office administrator. Okay. It used to be church secretary. When we revamped the position about two and a half years ago, three years ago, Okay. we changed it to office administrator. Intentionally. Intentionally. Because this position for us shifted from being stereotypical church secretary kind of stuff to being more of a position. And who knows what it'll be this next round. Are you going to reevaluate again? Absolutely. Okay. I think it's something that whenever you're given the opportunity in the window to reevaluate any kind of job description or any position, it's always wise to take a step back and say, okay, we have a natural reset button here. Are there things about this that worked really well? Are there things about this that didn't work well? How are we setting people up for success? And if we're not setting people up for success, how do we move and change the position to make it better? Okay. What kind of duties are we talking about here? Are we just talking about filing things? Are we talking (laughs) about creating bulletins, accounting, how much, how little? It's such a great question, and it varies by congregation. Okay. So and there's no set set of duties from anywhere like the ELCA? Nope. Nothing coming from ELCA. This is a congregation-by-congregation choice. Okay. And at varying levels of success, right? Sure. The church secretary position, I think even historically, has had much more diverse roles than people assume of it. Okay. Similar to the role of pastor that it's more diverse than people anticipate. Well, that's certainly more than a sermon weekly. Right. I mean, a lot of folks genuinely ask me, and not trying to be offensive at all, but do you work any other day than Sunday? Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because they don't understand the depth and breadth of the work of a pastor. Mm Mm-hmm. Completely understandable. And today, I've been doing a lot of facility things, right? And no one would guess that the pastor would be 
taking the furnace repair guy through the building to show him where the different furnace vents are sure. and the blowers and what's right. But that is truly part of the pastor's job. Okay. And in the same way, church secretaries and administrators have positions that, yes, typically bulletins, Sunday bulletins and the announcement sheet, part of their shtick, uh-huh. part of what they do on a weekly basis. Any kind of other communication aspect, changing the voicemail machine, making sure that newsletters are done, all that kind of stuff, right? That is all typically part of the secretary answering the phone. Mm -hmm. You think of that as the church secretary kind of thing. But the stuff that people may or may not think of are things like accepting the bills Mm. and making sure they get to the accounts payable department. The department might be a volunteer, but making sure that the mail is sorted and taken care of and given to the correct volunteers. So that means you have to know who all the volunteers are Mm -hmm. and you have to know their schedule. Answering questions, random questions from the phone, slots of telephone calls, and anything from, does your congregation need the latest and greatest new evangelism tool? Because I can help you. Sure. To, hi, I need help to make next month's rent. To, I see on your website that you welcome LGBTQIA people into your congregation. How can you justify that theologically? Oh, so the good, the bad, and the ugly is what you get on the phone. I mean, it really is huge and diverse, and the secretary is the first screener on all of those kinds of calls. Wow, some of that can be quite overwhelming. Totally. And it's kind of that unsung portion of the work. In our position, it's also someone who's managing our building use. Sure. And setting up contracts with our users and helping to set boundaries and checks and balances and all that kind of stuff. Which may not be much for certain churches, but this one in particular has a pretty wide range of users. 43 different groups across the course Mm, of a year. That's a lot of coordinating to be done. It's a ton of coordinating to be done. And that doesn't even get into maintaining a database, helping to create directories, handling lost and found. Technology helped, changed made the position grow, shrink, or just is completely and utterly another tool in the arsenal? That's a great question. And I'm, I can only speak to across my years of ministry and my time in church and my exposure to it. I would say that as with any administrative position, having computers and different kinds of reproduction machines makes a difference. Sure. So when I was a church secretary, and even in my other two congregations, we had two different machines. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, our photocopier machine, but we also had our Rizzo machine. Mm. And the Rizzo is a machine kind of like an old mimeograph, but automated. So you didn't have to like crank it with your hand, but it does one color at a time. Sure. And you put the master, like it scans the master and makes a master. And then you run all the copies of that one. And then you flip your paper oh, and do the master the next side. And then you do all the next one and then you have to collate it. But the difference in cost on a Rizzo machine versus the cost of printing it on a photocopier, when you hit the 25 copy mark, it was substantially cheaper to run it on the Rizzo than to run it on the photocopier machine. Okay. And then there might be a folding machine Mm -hmm. that would do the folding for you. Oh, uh, man, like a trifold thing? Yeah, trifold or bifold. Mm -hmm. But again, that's when you get up to larger congregations that they might have a folder Uh because it would be easier. 
here at our place, it's a luxury, frankly, to have the photocopier level that we do because it does the double-sided staple, everything is done for you, and collated and everything's done real quick. Our Uh bulletin isn't pretty. (laughs) It's functional. And it's functional, and it cuts down the amount of human hours substantially. Oh, I bet. Every other congregation I've had for the bulletin would have to be, because they were run on the Rizzo's, then they would have to be hand collated and hand folded. And so that was three to four hours of two volunteers every single week. Wow. And then the newsletter was even more because the newsletter had to be individually collated, hand stapled, folded, have the ceiling things put onto it, and then the labels attached for the mass mailing. And so that was just hours upon hours of human work. Uh And we save that by just having an eight and a half by 11 two-sided sheet with the staple on it. Nice. So as far as like tools for a parish administrator, I think that having some of this stuff just changes and shifts the work. Sure. We have plenty of other things that step into it. Oh, I'm sure. Something always steps into the vacuum. Right. So now they're expected to maybe be an administrator of a Facebook page account. Mm Mm-hmm. As well, so they can make announcements on Facebook mm-hmm. or a Twitter handle so they could be making announcements on Twitter, right? It, it just shifts the work. Now, do we have any idea at what point it went from the same person volunteering each time to let's just pay them a little bit and give them an actual title? No. Okay. I mean, I think that that's going to vary by congregation. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of congregations that still only run by volunteer. Mm-hmm. And then okay. don't have a paid admin position at all. Plenty of congregations like that. Even here in Portland, plenty of even Lutheran congregations that don't have any admin hours at any rate. That's and fascinating. their pastor just does it all. Wow. So their pastor makes the bulletin and prints them and has them ready. So then let's get back to the example that we're using, which is here. Mm-hmm. When you're looking for somebody... Are you looking for a member? Do they have to be a Lutheran? How do you go about this? Great question. Through my experience, I actually have a pretty strong, firm boundary. And I am not the one who hires. I am the supervisor. Okay. And I have voice and vote on it. But I'm not, at the end of the day, the one who's hiring this person. The congregation does. Okay. And the council appoints the personnel team. So the personnel team does the work makes the recommendations, the council does the hiring. But one of my pretty big lines is that I do not employ members. Yeah. I have served congregations where a member has been an employee. When you were church secretary, were you a member? Nope. Okay. Nope. And it's really hard because for the pastor to be your pastor and your supervisor. Mm, Yeah, those lines are blurry. And they're counterproductive. Oh, sure. Right. If I, as your supervisor, am having a difficult time with your performance because you have, (laughs) because there's something going on in your life that has you making mistakes at work, then how can I pastorally journey alongside of you in this difficulty in your life while holding you accountable for getting your work done? Sure. Right. It sends these mixed messages and puts me in this role where I cannot be either position effectively well. Okay. And then, I mean, God forbid, and I've done it, it sucks. You have to fire a parishioner Mm -hmm. from a job. Horrible. Mm -hmm. Now, 
being fired and the shame of being fired is all mixed in with your spirituality. Yeah. And everybody at the congregation knows. Yeah. That's an added level of difficulty. It's horrible. So not that you should ever plan to have to fire an employee when you hire them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, to have those dual roles is just dangerous. And I've actually come to that point as well with it's really hard because I might have friends for whom this position could be great. Sure. And I'm drawing the line and saying, here's the thing. If you want this position, apply for it. Absolutely. Go for it. It will mean that we cannot be friends. Mm. Because I will be your supervisor. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that I'm not friends with my parishioners, right? And that line, it's so hard to explain. The reason why we are told as pastors to not be good buddies, good friends with our parishioners, Uh is because the minute that a parishioner is caring for us in the way that we are offering care, the lines get blurred about pastor versus buddy Uh and you begin to create dynamics in a congregation where people perceive favorites yeah that's not going to go anywhere good it can become really harmful and hard Mm -hmm. sometimes it can work you just got to be really careful and aware and cognizant of what's happening so that's a constant struggle and the same thing with my staff because my staff are cool people Mm -hmm. and it would be real easy to be buddies with my staff And I've fallen down that trap. And then when I have to hold them accountable because their work isn't happening well, it really sucks. Mm -hmm. Because you're coming at it from a different level and you have their financial resources on the line. Yep. And then as a friend, it's just really hard. So I have come to a point in my career where I don't want to be a supervisor of a member. Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be the supervisor of a friend. So where do you start looking then for somebody for this position? It's really hard. I'll retract that and say for an interim position, when you know that someone is only going to be in the position for five months or six months, sure, but it's not a long time, that's a different situation. If a friend or if a parishioner came in for a temp time, that would be a very different situation because you know it has an ending. It's not a five-year commitment to each other. Uh Uh-huh. It's a short term. So I I do want to put that caveat out there. You know, the last two times we've just opened it up on Craigslist and other employment places, Uh put it out to local employment boards and things like that. People are looking for stuff like this. Our position is a really good position for someone with kids in school. Sure. Part-time. Because it's part-time. You start after the kids have gotten to school. You leave when the kids are getting off of school. Mm -hmm. Those are our office hours. And so... It becomes an easier position for parents with young children in school coming back into the workforce after kids have started to go to school. Sure. It's a fine position for folks who are mostly retired, who want Just want a little something to keep them busy. Want additional income, want something to do. It's four days a week, you know, so, Uh and you're done early enough in the day that it's not overwhelming. So there's lots of folks who are looking for positions like this and who have the gifts and skills who will apply. We were, frankly, astonished at the number of applications we got in last time. Yeah? Yeah. Now, I'm guessing, as any other employer, that there are certain questions that you don't get to ask, so it does not matter if they are baptized or Lutheran or whatnot. Technically, 
technically. As a church, we can't ask those questions. Oh, you are exempt. Mm-hmm. Wow. We do not ask those questions. <laughs> I will not let those questions be asked. It does not matter to me if someone is a Christian. And it does not matter to me if someone is baptized or not, especially not for this position. Okay. It is helpful if they know the church calendar. It's helpful if they understand the flow of the service, because then when they're making the bulletin, they can catch the mistakes. Sure. But it is not a requirement because of some kind of, we want only Christians working within this place. Uh It truly is just because some of those skills and things that you learn by being a Lutheran will help you make the bulletin faster. Nice. (laughs) Right? That can be trained. That can be taught. That is not something that you have to have. I would say it's helpful for you to be comfortable around people of faith. Sure. And it's helpful for you to not kind of roll your eyes at people of faith, because that's not going to go over well if you're working in a church all the time. Well, no, it's going to make a terrible work environment. Right. And it's helpful to not be afraid of churchy stuff or God stuff. Uh huh. But beyond that... No, I don't ask that question. I don't ask those questions at all. Interesting. Okay, so just to clarify one thing, Mm -hmm. they are hired by the congregation itself. They are answering to you as a supervisor? In this congregation, yes. Okay, but that's not necessarily true for all congregations? Correct. It's often true, but it depends upon the setup and structure of the Constitution and bylaws. Okay. And how a congregation wants to do that. Okay. Is it common that there's more than one or has it always been a singular position? I think you can break it down. Okay. It depends on how much work there is and how much financial capacity there is to support employment. Potentially how big that particular congregation is. Right. And so for us, it might be that we decide that we need a receptionist. Okay. In my first call, we had a time where longtime secretary left. And what I suggested was breaking the position up Mm -hmm. to a publisher and a receptionist. Because sometimes those skills are not synonymous. Sure. Someone who can do the reception thing, say hello to people, greet everybody, have fun getting up and down out of their chair, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then someone who's able to sit down and just bang out a bulletin. Sure. And it's possible that those skills and talents are all in one person. And it's possible that you could be finally focused on getting the bulletin done And the 10th person walks through that door and you just want them to go away. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Right? Because that is human. And really, it's about setting people up for success. And so depending upon the layout of your building, the architecture of your building, frankly. Can have a factor. How much space you have. Okay. To have office space. And if there's room for privacy or not. Or if you're just going to end up always being interrupted anyway, there's a whole lot of different ways to go about it. But you could absolutely have a receptionist in one area and a person who does facts and figures and maintains schedules. Sure. And does kind of executive assistant stuff Mm -hmm. for the pastor or the rest of the staff. So there's lots of ways you can break the positions open depending upon the needs of the congregation. The needs of the congregation. Is there anybody else then who typically resides on staff other than the secretary? Oftentimes you have a church musician. Okay. And that can be, again, lots of different titles. Here we have the director of music ministries. My previous congregation, we had an accompanist. Okay. And then an organist who came once a month. 
Oh, interesting. And then we had a choir accompanist, right? And in another congregation, we had a choir director and an organist. Mm. And they were separate. So there's lots of different ways that you can set up that position as well. Oftentimes, the cleaning. Sure. In small congregations, it might be Mm volunteer-based. There's also the possibility of having a custodian. Or there's a possibility of having a contract with a custodial service. service. Of some sort. Mm-hmm. So that's another position. Sometimes you have a youth director. Okay. An individual who is responsible for youth kinds of things. Or a youth and family person. A, a youth and family superintendent is what we had at my first call. Wow. And that sounds were, fancy. Right? And they were responsible for kind of oversight and overseeing all the education programs for students under 12 and also overseeing the nursery. So maybe you have some nursery attendants. Sure. You might have a nursery director who is the person who is setting protocols and policies around how the nursery functions and safety protocols around the nursery. So there's lots and lots of different positions that can exist within a congregation. Sure. Depending upon size, capacity, and need. That all makes sense. And it's going to lead me into my last question. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy being a church secretary when you were one? It was probably one of the most helpful training things I ever experienced. I bet. It was post-seminary. I was going to say, did you know you were going to be a pastor at this point? I did. Okay. So it was after seminary, before I received my first call. Talk about a behind-the-scenes look. In the interim year. Uh And I actually ended up being a church secretary back at the congregation where I did my internship year. Okay. So I had served that congregation in a pastoral role. As a clergy in training. Sure. And then I came back and served for nine months to a year as the parish secretary. And it was incredibly helpful to know what it is like to be in that position. Yeah. So like, (laughs) I am horrible, horrible. I'm awful at getting my newsletter article on time. Yeah. Terrible. And because I have created newsletters. And waited for that article. I know how bad I'm doing for them, and I know how to go into the document and insert it myself without disrupting them too much at the very end. Oh, nice. Right? And so since I know how to use the programs and I know how to create the documents myself, I can come in and and I've actually trained a couple of secretaries on new software. Sure. Because they had never opened Publisher before. And so I've helped them learn how to do Publisher or those kinds of things. And so... Those skills have served me incredibly well in my years as a pastor. Sure. An example would be with funeral bulletins. I just do them. Oh, yeah? I don't pass them to my admin at all anymore. Creating the bulletin, I actually create the order of service. Oh, that makes sense. It happens both at the same time. And so I know what's going on and I know how it's going to flow. And I've Mm -hmm. made sure that the face is right and the dates are right and all of those kinds of things. So it goes into my reports accurately and all that kind of stuff. And so since there's so much that I have to do around a funeral in that sense, it just makes it so much easier for me to just make the bulletin myself. Sure. So that kind of skill, huge benefit, Uh huh. huge benefit. You never actually <laughs> answered my question. <laughs> Did I enjoy Did it? Did you enjoy it? I appreciated it. All right. Did I enjoy it? I was young and wanted to be ordained as a pastor and was couch surfing. 
<laughs> because I hadn't been called yet. Sure. And I'll my take student... anything other than, oh, it was the worst job no, of my life. it wasn't. It was, well, that's good. It was fine. It's lonely. Oh, I bet. It can be a lonely position. And I'm aware of that for our people. It can be tough. I, I say that and it's not going to make anyone want to apply for this. <laughs> but it's pretty awesome to be a part of a team. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about church administrators. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. I hope you learned a little more of the behind the scenes stuff of how churches work. And if you know of someone who might be interested in coming and spending some time here at Central Lutheran and being a part of making the mission of this congregation happen by being our administrator, go visit centralportland.org slash jobs. We will have the job description up. Keep in mind, it is January of 2019. So mm-hmm. if you are listening to this any other time, it's time-sensitive information time right sensitive here. Time-sensitive information. But go ahead and look that up and we'll have a job description up and a way for people to apply. It would be great to hear from some folks. We would also love to hear from you about the podcast. You can leave us a review at iTunes or contact us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.